Oh, I just saw Billy McCult on my TV, Dustin. Who's that? Michigan's Michigan's up two nothing. Damn it all. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Michigan loses every last game they play in every single sport they have. Hey, we agree on something. <laughs> <laughs> we agree on a lot of things. We just That's true. We just when we disagree anyway. it's a little violent. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to the 20th episode of the second season of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender. Hello again, everyone. With Michigan Tech season over, but still a ton of questions about how the NCAA tournament will shake out, we decided to once again reach out to someone outside the WCHA for a guest. This week, we're joined by Nate Wells, who's been doing his own bracketology the last few weeks in preparation for Selection Sunday. Thanks for joining us, Nate. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, this week, we'll be discussing the NCAA tournament. Bracketology, the WCHA playoffs, the Joe Sean Hour, your questions, Joe Sean's status with the program, and preview the WCHA playoffs. Plus, I've got a couple other things we can talk about. And before we get into all of that, I wanted to mention that we have some great new features. Brandon Morzak has been working on new artwork, which will be posted with this podcast. And I think some of it has kind of gone out. We got new Twitter pictures up last week. Uh, we have new channels on Discord. If you're a Patreon, you'll have special access on Discord. Otherwise, Matt, did you put that in liner notes last week, how to get to our Discord? Um, I did not put it in there last All week. All right, but well, I, I, do it this yep. week, since I, I said yep. you would last week. Yeah, yeah. I got the new graphic in there, though. It's looking real sharp, so <laughs> there's that. That is nice. Uh, we're also working on revamping our apparel store. A bunch of us from Tech Hockey Guide bought uh, gear this week. I actually received my Chasing McNaughton sweatshirt today, which I think is pretty cool. So if you watch the video of this, one of the three patrons that gets to do that, you can check that out. And then I think once we get some of our gear that we all ordered, we'll we'll kind of test it out and then see what we're going to do. And hopefully by the time we record next week, we'll have a better feel for what uh when we're gonna go live with the store again and have some nice sales and free shipping and that kind of thing for you guys um since i brought up some patrons uh, we have a new one this week thank you evan wallen for becoming our 31st patron and signing up at the black level to get extended podcast content and authentic mt jersey patch if you're interested in signing up like evan and our other patrons please check out patreon.com slash tech hockey guide all right, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and discuss college hockey with our guest, Nate Wells. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. So let's get right into things with Nate Wells. I'm not really sure uh, where to give you credit anymore as a writer. You kind of... Um, <laughs> Uh, just kind of out there freelancing, right? And then uh, last time I checked, you were in like New York area, right? Yeah, I kind of write a bit everywhere. Uh, I mean, previously in uh, NCAA.com. I've done bracketology there in the past few years. Uh, the Athletic, I covered uh, the Gophers for uh, the Strip and the Pioneer Press. And yeah, it's really hard to not find a place that like I don't have, I have not had a byline in. Uh, I always struggle. I always struggle with this question of where like I should be credited for. Um, <laughs> well, nothing wrong with that. I know I can say I wrote for CHN, but they did not pay me nearly enough for the amount of effort it was for uh, those tournament previews. My goodness, that's a lot of work to to do a capsule on eight teams and and all that for I think like twenty bucks. But I get to say I wrote for them now forever, so that's cool. Uh, so looking at the tournament. I went through it this afternoon and basically came up with 10 teams that I have that are in no matter what. I've got Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Boston College, Massachusetts, BU, North Dakota, St. Cloud, Minnesota Duluth, and Minnesota State. And then I had six teams on the bubble... With Bemidji State, Lake State, Providence, Lowell, Omaha, and Quinnipiac. And then I've got like eight other teams that are alive but need to win their tournament. How's that compared to what you're thinking? That's pretty much on. Uh, I put Quinnipiac in that lock category. Um, maybe Minnesota. Duluth is just like a half step out just in case, just because Denver's as we're recording, Denver's still alive. Yeah. Um, it needs to be HC with that auto bid. But uh, otherwise, yeah, that's, that's it. It's pretty much on. I think, I think Quinnipiac, no matter what happens in the ECAC, is going to get a bid. Um, it's tough to see them not uh, just with the number of teams out east. Uh, I got to think that uh, no matter what happens, and they only have to win one game too. Yeah, well, I think that's what, Rob, isn't that what we talked about? We're like, now that uh, Clarkson's out, like, I'm on the fence between are they automatically in or they only have to beat Colgate or St. Lawrence, so why why shouldn't they have to do that to get in? <laughs> but I guess it kind of depends on what else happens. Like, Quinnipiac, that's why I have them on the bubble, because if Denver doesn't win and Northern Michigan doesn't win, and they lose to St. Lawrence or Colgate, then I feel like they, they're probably still in. They're just not a lock right now until we know where the line is and how many teams that probably wouldn't be in otherwise got in. I do find it interesting yeah, how highly seems- they're ranked everywhere, though. Everyone's got them top 10, it seems like, in a lot of places. Like the power rankings at CHN have them ninth still. That seems yeah. way too high to me. Well, I think that's the biggest hurdle for us as WCHA fans is how how is Quinnipiac 10th, Bowling Green swept them, yet it doesn't seem like Bemidji State and Lake State are getting a whole lot of credit for being better than them. I, well, I think for the, in, the, in the case of having Quinnipiac up there versus the 
having that second, that Bowling Green, Bemidji State, uh, Lake Superior State now uh, be that uh, second, uh, third WCHA team. It's kind of you're, you're, you're looking at uh, whether it's right now the top ECAC team versus that second or third one. Um, and where you'd see them versus uh, would you would you put that second uh, WCHA team over the all the ECAC? And that's I think where it kind of gets uh, interesting. Um, the committee is going to have a lot of questions to kind of answer that. People are not going to be happy either way. Yeah, when, when things happen, but um, yeah, it's that's that that that's at least where I see like why Quinnipiac would be there versus um, where you have those uh, second. Uh, third WCHA team. Well, I think if Quinnipiac gets upset in their tournament and somebody else ends up winning it, that's their auto bid. So how do you take a team that is in a three-league team and justify bringing, or four-league team, whatever you want to call them this year, and justify bringing half of that entire league in when they've been swept by Bowling Green? I don't I don't see how you do that. that that's going to be one of those questions you have to kind of figure out. It's also... Um, just because of how dominant the Bobcats have been. And on the other side, point, and this is going to be, I think, one of the things that makes the tournament really interesting is you have the political standpoint of all the conferences are going to be fighting to get the most number of teams in. You have it from a regional standpoint where you're trying to limit travel, which means you're, you, you can't uh, put too many western teams versus too many eastern teams you're gonna have to kind of at least have some sort of mix um which benefits the ecac and uh it might even likely benefit uh, atlantic hockey you can make a good argument for them to get a second team in on that way um and then you have the arguments within the conferences of who is the best team who is the second best team um and that end, I think that's kind of where Quinnipiac ends up being a little bit of the beneficiary of they're out east. Um, there's only so many teams that uh, are eligible who can be up there. And it's you take two ECAC teams, Clarkson withdrew, and there's only three teams available uh, versus do you take uh, two Atlantic hockey teams for, or do you take five hockey East schools? Um, it, these are all going to be questions that the committee is going to have to uh, answer and there's all these are all the questions that uh, each of these conferences are going to be uh, trying to fight to get as many people as possible. Um, we've seen, seen it uh, going on as these conference tournaments have been winding down, where basically every coach who's kind of on the bubble and their team loses is going on like, "Hey, hey, look at our resume." Uh, no <laughs> offense to uh, those other guys, but uh, yeah, between the yeah, yeah, they, well, even the Denver coach is talking and they're still alive, right? Like. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Devin's like, yeah, no offense to Omaha, but uh, who has a better record than us technically, but uh, yeah, we should be in there. And then uh, Notre Dame, like later that day, uh, lost, loses to Penn State in the uh, Big Ten tournament, and basically Jeff Jackson's like, uh, yeah, no offense to those, those guys, but uh, yeah, we should get another bid. Yeah. So, so what are your thoughts on Denver if they don't win the NCHC? I'm really curious to see what happens with that bid there, because I think we can all agree that if Denver doesn't win the NCHC, North Dakota, St. Cloud State, Minnesota Duluth are pretty much are pretty much locks. Yeah, you probably you have those three teams. There's a really good argument for a fourth NCHC team if you look at it historically. If you look at just the records of the of the teams, and then. 
you're either going with Omaha, who has the better record, um, if you when, um, just the better record in the season, or you take Denver, who technically I believe might will be under 500. They will be. Um, they can't get above it without winning. Well, then, then okay. they're automatically out, right? Uh, Isn't that the rule? No, no they actually they that was that brings me to the point that I wanted to ask is you know they act, they waive the uh, yeah have to be above five hundred rule and I don't remember all the uh, all the language that went along with that or what other standards they'd have to meet in order to make the tournament be under five hundred. But now that that rule has been waived, how are you feeling about it? What do you think is the best way that that can be implemented and have a sub-500 team in the tournament bar a conference champion? I I had until that, uh, until they waived and they put that out earlier this week, I basically was just under the assumption that uh, Denver had to win the tournament. Um, I still think they do. They, they, they played a tougher schedule. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's funny. Um, it's a different committee, but I also look at like what the women, uh, what the women's hockey selection committee did, um, where it's very similar arguments between what uh, Minnesota, Minnesota Duluth had uh, for the third WCHA spot um, in that tournament. What Denver and uh, Omaha are looking at for what would be the uh, the fourth uh, NCHC spot, and basically Minnesota's arguments were uh, we beat Duluth twice. Um, our schedule was much tougher. Um, we beat the teams that, uh, we beat the other teams were undefeated against, uh, everyone except for the top two, uh, or the two of the top three teams in the country. And these still, the committee went with the Duluth's argument. So on that end, it'd be, it'd be Omaha, uh, if the men's committee goes that way. But I, I kind of want to see what happens, uh, with that four of them. That, that, that's probably the one that I'm curious to see along just with in general, I guess that one who ends up being coming out of hockey East and who just kind of ends up being the number of conference teams in each conference. Yeah. Well, I had it explained to me that the rule is that teams with a losing record can make the tournament, but it sounds like that was kind of like a, like there's a big asterisk on it of like, that was because there was always the chance that enough teams couldn't play that there'd only be like 14 teams with a winning record at the end of the season kind of thing. But we don't have that at all. We have enough teams. So it feels like Denver shouldn't be in without winning the tournament. Uh, I kind of hope they don't win it so we can find out if the committee agrees with that or what happens. Because the other interesting thing was as of today, Denver has a better pairwise than Omaha. So how do you reconcile that when normally you would use pairwise but normally they would be out for not having a winning record uh so that's a difficult thing to look at i guess um it, it really is and uh, everything like the, the criteria itself is so vague that you can pretty much make a justification for anything and yeah it's um yeah denver being ahead of omaha Puts it like in, in the paralyzed and the cratch, and pretty much look at the stats again. That's kind of it was the same thing with the Minnesota Minnesota Duluth in the uh, in the women's tournament. Um, it makes things inter- it really makes things interesting on that end. Where yeah, if you just look at uh, how things went, like I don't think you'd give the uh, the pioneers too much of an argument. Honestly, I feel like if you switch the roles or uh, if you reverse them, 
and it was Omaha, Omaha who was that uh, team under 500 and uh, had everything against Denver. I really don't think we'd be making, making these uh, same uh, discussions. Agreed. I think the only reason you're talking about Denver having a shot is because it's Denver and the tradition there versus Omaha. Uh, so where do you sit on the WCHA getting more teams besides uh, beating Minnesota State? What's it going to take? Right now, I think you can pretty much uh, pencil in a solid two. Um, that Bemidji Lake Superior State game is really interesting. Is really going to be a really interesting thing just because both teams kind of have, have good arguments. Um, you can probably make a good one for whoever wins that one can take it. Uh, that second team, uh, I've kind of liked. I've kind of liked these these WCHA uh, playoffs, just following along and uh, catching some of them flow, just because uh, it pretty much is all these teams are all these teams are able to win on any given night. They're all beating in each other, and just like the end results are, you're getting the idea of hey, this probably at the end of the day is going to be the second team behind Minnesota State. Um, I it, I don't know. I don't know if they can get in the third. I'm sure that uh, you're, we're going to hear some arguments for why, <laughs> but it's really, really tough. It's really tough to see a to see a third one in um, without either taking away um, taking away from either that fourth NCHC team or uh, or a Big Ten one. Um, I just I don't see the. Uh, I mean, I could I could easily be wrong, but I just I don't see the uh, the NCAA going uh, with uh, going with a 10-6 split uh, Westies. I think the biggest thing is Bowling Green losing took away that chance at the third, because Bowling Green ha- easily had the argument with their out of non-conference over Atlantic Hockey and over Quinnipiac to have that argument, and with them getting knocked out so soon and getting upset, I just don't. I- I'm struggling to see that third one happening now too, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel like that was that was likely the best argument. Um... Um, maybe as yeah, it was that or Bemidji or maybe like Bemidji or whatever would it have been uh, the loser of that semi Michigan Tech kept going. Um, but yeah, it's just the way things kind of ended up with like, it's I'm making, it, it's really, it's really hard to just kind of figure out who would be that third one, one who would be that third team and uh, how you would put them ahead of uh, just the teams that they were kind of fighting for, for one of those last uh, at large spots. So how do you break down hockey East? Hockey East right now is kind of uh, in a similar spot where the, uh, where the WCHA is where um, Providence, Providence beat UConn um, or for record this, um, but all these kind of teams and they, uh, after, uh, after the, uh, the three of uh, BC, UMass and, uh, BU and then BU lost, uh, got upset as well. So, um, they're so they're, they don't control their uh, their fate anymore. But pretty much after that, it's all these teams are kind of playing one another and uh, making arguments one way or another. It's tough just because you have uh, Providence, UConn, and Northeastern all basically around 500. They've all played each other, all kind of beaten each other one way or another, and um you again it's you can make arguments for all of them um i don't see i i think pretty much it's three teams fighting for one spot but it's kind of that same it's kind of that same uh 
feeling where it's uh, just you're, you're you're figuring somebody will come out of it a winner and you can make it uh, like an easy decision. But yeah, right now it's kind of that it's that same it's that same style. Yeah, I basically had it at BC Math UMass and BUM. Providence could is probably in, especially if they win and make the championship. But I'm and then Lowell is. It seems like it. They need to win it to get in. I could be wrong. Um, but then, yeah. uh, but then that still leaves me with okay. So if Notre Dame is, are they in? I think they're out, right? I, I mean Jeff Jackson is the advisor. Oh, great. <laughs> which after, after watching watching something after after knowing that we have these. Uh, <laughs> okay, so they're in. You know, it's objective. You always. But uh, I, yeah, I find it hard to see the Big Ten getting a fourth team as well. Um, it's I think just the way everything kind of worked out, where um, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan are are the three best teams in in, in the league. That's an easy, um, that's an, that's an easy decision. It's tough to kind of get that fourth one. Notre Dame has a lot of good wins. Uh, they also won two and two against Arizona State, um, who. In the Big Ten played basically played an entire uh, Big Ten schedule, um, played everyone on the road uh, for four games. So they got some good, they got some good wins. They got some bad losses. Uh, and if we had the pairwise this year, honestly, they would be probably a fitting team that would be like right just on the outside where you look at it and be like, oh, if they won these two games, they'd be like the 10th seed. Yeah. Yeah. So with the 10 teams I said earlier that are in, and then let's say Quinnipiac wins ECAC, American International wins Atlantic Hockey, uh, Northern Michigan doesn't win, Denver doesn't win. You've basically got whoever wins between Bemidji State and Lake State is likely in, right? That's kind of what we've assumed. So the winner of that, Omaha are in and then you've got Quinnipiac American International so I'm at 14 teams and you basically have two spots for like two spots left and I kind of don't like I feel like based on how well the league is done and the whole sweeping Quinnipiac by a team that didn't even make the the final four like I have a hard time if, if there aren't upsets about Lake State not getting in because I like I don't see Providence, and like I think Providence is probably in just because of your east-west balance, like you said. I guess last question on this: so if if what I kind of laid out before happens and uh, BC plays UMass for the Hockey East Championship, or and and Denver loses tonight, they play tonight, right? So this will all yeah. be moot by the time half of our listeners listen. But anyway, so if that happens, you basically got one spot left for the loser of Bemidji State, Lake State, UMass Lowell, Notre Dame, or a second team in Atlantic Hockey. Yeah, you're basically, it's that, that spot is going to be about four conferences for that one spot where, yeah, it's, and that's, yeah, you're, that's where you're fighting for a third um, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, so you're fine for the third WCHA team, a fourth, whatever the fourth or fifth uh, hockey's team, 
a fourth Big Ten team, a second Atlantic hockey team, and a fifth. You can even throw that in there if you want to put the Denver back in there, throwing a fifth uh, NCHC team. Well, follow the money. Like all these conferences. <laughs> all these conferences. What money, Dustin? Uh, There's no money in watching. Like what? So it goes to Notre Dame because they'll actually draw fans? Because no, because they're the ones. They, the viewers? Because the NCAA loves it, Notre Dame in general. It doesn't matter about hockey. We all know hockey doesn't matter. Yeah, you might be right, Dustin. I, I don't like it, but. If they're, are they are they going to pick Bemidji State or Notre Dame? There's no way they're picking Bemidji State or UMass Lowell. I mean, 99% of the people in the country couldn't find Lowell on the map. It's in Massachusetts. I only know that because it's the first part of the name. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And the Women's Committee picked Minnesota Duluth and Providence over Minnesota. So Yeah, it's interesting because I know we, we kind of got into that on Twitter. Was that this morning or last night where it's like, is it like it's a different committee, but they're supposed to be following like the same criteria. So who knows? Yeah. And, that, and that's where you put in a... Uh, we discussed the the, uh, the criteria. There's at the end of the day, uh, this year is different because there's the human element. You you can't take that out. Yeah, I'm gonna watch the whole selection show because it's actually gonna be interesting. It's not just where you're going; it's who's actually going. So it'll be a different, different, interesting piece of TV for sure. I do think it's also fortunate that this year we actually have two proper Western regionals, so you can't justify the well, they only have to go to Allentown, so we're gonna send a you know another Eastern team here. We do have two true Western regionals except, for a change. Except one of those is basically a flight for everybody but Denver. Yeah, but they're shorter flights, I guess. They're Western flights. Oh, but maybe that's why Denver gets in. Yeah. <laughs> they well, have a regional. <laughs> a flight a flight yeah, yeah, a, fl- a flight, a flight is a flight uh, in the eyes of the NCAA, so it it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah, but it, uh, the plus side, it is, it is definitely, uh, it's better that they have this uh, matchup than last year's, where uh, there's pretty much like twenty teams that would have to head to like fly to uh, all four regionals, and like there's like a a good portion. Uh, I'm blanking on what the exact number. I, I had it last year, but it was like it was maybe like another twenty or so had to like could drive to three of them. Yeah, Allentown definitely throws a weird mix in that from an east-west balance perspective that if that was a factor this year, I think we'd be looking at even more weird fudging when it comes to selecting things. Which is which is odd because it like what are you going to do? You can't just give them six hockey east teams like that's the problem right now is ECAC so weak. Atlantic hockey isn't that great. So where are you actually getting more eastern teams from other than thin air? And is yeah, like is Bowling Green isn't <laughs> close enough to be a a bus for any of them, are they? They're all flights, right? No, they're they're a flight. Uh, they're a flight for everyone. Michigan's a flight for everyone. Wisconsin, Omaha are flights for everyone. I think maybe maybe you can fudge out uh, you can fudge out Omaha to Fargo, but like, and I think technically it's it's like four hundred miles is the distance that you're supposed to be a flight. Okay, and they're like it's just above that. Uh, for Omaha and, and uh, Madison. So, yeah, yeah, these teams in the middle. I, I was trying to mess around bracketology, just figure out if you're doing it by seed, if you're doing it by location, um, come up with different ways to do it. And it pretty much seems like to come along the lines of Fargo, you can get Fargo, you can get three, four teams to, to bus easily. Um, all depends on 
North Dakota, if you put North Dakota as the number one overall seed, do you send uh, AIC or a second Atlantic hockey team or whoever the worst team in the tournament there? Um, Loveland, everyone's a flight. Bridgeport should be pretty easy to fill with the three, four teams to that can drive. And then Albany is kind of the question mark. Have yeah. they said they're specifically going to go away from trying to avoid interconference matchups for the first round because of this, or is that just out the window this year? Uh, they, they, they've said that uh, they're sticking by that to, to avoid interconference matchups. Okay. So it does mean you have to throw at least a couple of teams in the wrong direction, but as a flight's a flight, it doesn't make a difference, I would assume, for that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and yeah, like it's pretty much Loveland. Loveland is pretty easy to set up as the uh, the kind of the land of misfit toys of just th- these matchups work, and you know we need to fly, so you're both you're all flying. I'm looking forward to somehow that bracket being Minnesota State, uh, the one of that bracket facing the four of Denver in Denver's region. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had two weeks ago. I had Minnesota State and is pro, against Providence and Albany, and like I had to like preemptively apologize to the Mavericks. Like, oh oh man, they're, they're so due for a, a win <laughs> at this point. It's never the Mavericks year. That's the joke in my group chat with my friends that are still at Tech. They're like, "It's the Mavericks year," and I'm like, "It's never the Mavericks year." <laughs> they always tear I, up I the WCHA, bad. and they just find a way to lose yeah. in that first round. <laughs> Oh, I I feel bad again because it's another time where it doesn't like this has been the same case last year where they're gonna they're flying no matter what they're going. Uh, I mean, or if if they don't fly, the worst case scenario is somehow that they're the two in uh, Fargo with North Dakota, which I feel like might even be worse than that. But it's they're number one overall. They had to go uh, to South Bend because North Dakota was in the tournament hosting. Um, they had a year. They had the year uh, in, in uh, Sioux Falls, where basically the uh, they ended up having to play. They played Minnesota Duluth down there. They got the uh, the, the Providence. Providence. Yeah, just it's. I want to see them get that win. I want to see them get that NCAA tournament win. And Providence and Providence was brutal. That's the one time I ever like genuinely felt bad for the Mavericks. That was tough. That one was bad because uh, for about the like the last month of the season, I kept I was banging that drum of like. Whoever is going to be the worst team, the worst number one seed is going to get Providence and Providence because it's really, it really apparent that uh, uh, Providence is probably going to be down, was going to be that like in that four, that four seed range. And the committee, it, what makes it even worse is Providence doesn't host the Providence region. Brown does. But the committee always puts Providence, Providence just to uh, a lot of times. Yeah. Who did you say you had as your four number ones, Nate? Um, I had, it, it depends on how you want to do the matchups. If you, if you want to right now, right now I have it as some combination of BC, North Dakota, Minnesota State, and what one's the big 10, just because I feel like between, uh, especially if, if, uh, if Minnesota wins, uh, if Minnesota wins well against Michigan in the semifinals, you have the Minnesota, Wisconsin matchup. And the, you can really make the argument that that team is the fourth number one. That's something you could probably do with Michigan, but uh, I feel like those are the four. Um, if you wanted to split it two two, you can maybe sneak in UMass as, as a one, but I feel like that might be pushing it too far. Bracket integrity, but that's also the fun part of this year is uh, not sure how much uh, you go bracket integrity versus location, and I'm 
I'm kind of curious to see how that committee uh, ends up going with it. Yeah, we could really end up with some like a loaded Fargo. More than likely, you know, you could see that being what's well, going to be North Dakota. More than likely, I would think it would be uh, Minnesota or Wisconsin. Whoever's not considered the one probably ends up there. Maybe they end up in Loveland with if Minnesota State's the one there or something. Um, but it's, I think that is the more interesting thing is we can, I think after this, all the games are played, I think we're going to have a pretty good idea of, you know, at least 14 of the teams, if not all 16. And then it's going to be a matter of how do they decide to make the bracket and who gets to go where, whereas normally we have a much, like, we have no idea what they're going to, how they're going to band these teams because the pairwise means nothing. So even though I look at it and see that BC is number two and UMass is six, that doesn't mean they can't both be ones this year just because of the messed up year and everything else. So it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do. Yeah. It's, you can tell that UMass is the second best hockey East team. You can't tell that UMass is not a number one seed. And that, yeah, that's the tough part is there's so much there, there. There's an eye test. Um, there's comparisons between teams and conferences. There's subjective comparing conferences across one another. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think no matter what happens, that Fargo region is going to be just uh, just a murderous row of teams because even if you put it, um, especially honestly, I kind of get the feeling if uh, if Bemidji ends up being the second WCHA team, they they end up being they end up going to Fargo, they end up being uh, yeah. North Dakota's first. They get North Dakota. I like that matchup. <laughs> that's that that's and and. Uh, and it, on the other hand, it's really easy to kind of end up with a two matchup, like a, a two and a three uh, matchup that are two teams that can drive as well. So, yeah, like a uh, uh, Saint Cloud and Minnesota. <laughs> Who knows? That's gonna. I have a feeling that, however, this shakes out, that Fargo region is going to be loaded just because they're going to try and save flights where they can, and there's enough teams in the area that they can figure it out. And that's where Minnesota state might end up getting screwed and being a two line and be in the same bracket as Bemidji state. If that's how it shakes out. And then you've got St. Cloud and North Dakota there or something. And it's basically like a WCHA final five kind of thing. I like that matchup for Bemidji though. I, if I were Bemidji, I'd take North Dakota in the first round. Yeah. If you're a four seed, you're going to be playing a good team. You may as well play the good team that, you know, and you have, your coach has experience with. I mean, if anybody can figure out how to beat North Dakota, it's it's him, right? It's, it's Sarah Torrey clog up the middle it's, style. Form. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Sarah Torrey just clogging everything up. And Oh, I just saw Billy McCult on my TV, Dustin. Who's that? Michigan's Michigan's up 2 nothing. Damn it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Michigan loses every last game they play in every single sport they have. Hey, we agree on something. <laughs> <laughs> we agree on a lot of things. We just That's true. We just when we disagree anyway, it's a little violent. <laughs> I think I think that's uh I think that's enough bracketology. Anything you want to plug, Nate? Otherwise we can let you uh watch your gophers try and make a comeback here. 
Oh, they've, they've they've had exactly two all year, and one was yesterday against Michigan State. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, that is. Uh, I think I think though, if if this score holds, and uh, people listening will know if it did or not. Uh, yeah, Minnesota being that's uh, being at a, at a number two. Uh, that, that looks good uh, for Fargo. Send them to Fargo. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I guess. Um, I've been doing bracketology just uh, over pretty much. Uh, uh, the Gopher Hockey Blog is just pretty much where I put all my what, my writing in one spot. It's uh, the Gopher Hockey Blog dot dot com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Gopher State. Uh, I I go through a lot of that uh, bracketology talk on there, and there's a bunch of college hockey stuff in general too that I will chime in on as well. So all right, those two are where to go. Cool. We'll make sure to link to those, and uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. I just love talking college hockey. I love talking bracketology. So it was great. Uh, great chat with you, Tim, uh, and all you guys. Yeah, so. Thanks for yeah. stopping by. Thank yeah. you guys yeah. so much. Isn't it? Thanks for joining us. Talk to you later, Nate. All right. All right. I wanted to take a moment to touch on one thing. We fund everything at Tech Hockey Guide from our patrons. You can become one at patreon.com slash Guide. We'll be doing a monthly Zoom chat with a special guest. These monthly chats are available at the white level, which is just $2 a month. If you have anyone you'd like to suggest for one of these chats, please let us know. We may try to squeeze in uh, one yet this month. We, we probably should try. It's just a matter of figuring out who. Um, as we'll get to a little later, the, the, the I'd like to do Joe Sean, but that's a bit of a touchy subject, I think, until we have some resolution here that we will talk about later. Since the podcast started, we've also done extended versions of the podcast for our patrons at the black level or above, which is $5 a month. At the gold level, for $10 a month, you get access to everything we've mentioned and the Zoom video uh, of our podcast before the rest is out. You also get an authentic MTU jersey patch for being at the black level or above, which our newest patron, uh, Evan Wallen, that's where he signed up at, so he'll be getting a patch as soon as he lets me know what one he wants and as soon as we roll over to april and he's paid his ten dollars in um which reminds me i have quite a few patches that i owe patrons because my life has been a little crazy so i haven't worried about that too much and i'll have to get on top of that here in a minute or a little bit so let's move on to let's say before we move on pretty soon when that site launches after we're done doing the quality testing internally we will fund some things through merch sales so buy tech hockey guide merch for yourself buy tech hockey guide merch for your mom buy tech hockey guide merch for your grandpa and buy tech hockey guide merch for your dog we will have dog bandanas keep we an will. eye out Those for it up yet are they because they're get not one. up yet but we will have buy tech hockey guide merch for your dog we will let's get the word out there yeah, <laughs> yeah we will be we will, we will be making some money off the merch um i think we're gonna set prices so that we don't make a ton because i just want the stuff out there exactly wrapping us versus anything else and we'll probably try and keep it around five dollars and i think i'm gonna do my best to have brandon set everything so we don't have any pink taxes going on on our gear not that there's a whole lot of women listening to our podcast but there's at least uh, my girlfriend for sure and i think that's i think about i got it. a hoodie for Myra because <laughs> they were they were decent yeah no i think that i think it's good stuff i've got my chasing mcnaughton podcast what you're done i just got it in the mail today i think it's pretty nice yeah it's a little snugger than my other 2xl premium that i got but it seems to be stretching out now that i've had it on for i don't know a couple hours here so i think that's good 
The WCHA playoffs were last weekend. Michigan Tech got swept out. Dustin got one series wrong. I think you had the best prediction of any of us, right? Yeah. I don't know what Rob said. I missed the But I think the other three of us one. picked Tech to win, didn't we? Or at least push three. Yeah, we at least picked and push pushed, three. I picked push three, yeah. yeah. I had Ferris win in the game. I don't think any of us had Northern, so. No. No, Northern's uh, definitely a surprise of the weekend for sure. Yeah, and it's it sucks because I like cheering for chaos and underdogs, but like in that series, those are my two least favorite teams in the WCHA. Nobody likes so it cheering like, for an undercat. That's the thing is that like they're my two least favorite teams in the WCHA, and at that point, I had to look at it and say, who who do I want to lose more? And at the time, it was Bowling Green, so I don't mind as long as Northern's out after this. The Friday I, afternoon game, yeah. I can't imagine they get past Minnesota State. I mean, no, I can't either. If Ferris can give them trouble, anybody can if they're up to it. We'll see. Yeah, but they actually have to finish. It's one game and done, Matt. There's, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like we said. Yeah. Uh, Anything else about what happened last weekend on the WCHA playoffs you guys want to talk about? I think aside from the big shock that Northern was, that's pretty much what we thought it would be. So I was I actually, to- I was uh, I was honestly impressed with how dominant Lake State was. That's fair, yeah. Uh, I thought that was another takeaway. And and Bemidji did exactly what they had to do against Tech, I think. Uh, they got on the on the board quickly after they they didn't let us play with a lead for long. Nope. They didn't give us much of a chance to, to double our lead. And holy they... shit were the goals on Saturday fluky and stupid. Yeah, yeah I missed was... those. It was, was really frustrating for... to me because I felt like both games, especially Saturday, I thought we were really taking it to Bemidji yeah. and probably I thought I thought we really deserved the win, especially the way we were playing. And then pretty much I think both... on Saturday for sure I'd agree with you. Saturday Friday, maybe for not sure. so much, I could... Saturday. Yeah, I yeah, listen to arguments for Friday. I don't think we were as dominant, but Saturday I definitely thought we took the play straight to Bemidji. And that was like, at the end of that game, like I was throwing remotes across the room. I was really upset about that was yeah the um, that second goal where it literally is like a chip shot over pietola because of the deflection it takes especially because paratino's oh does that suck it really sucked especially because paratino's goal like the well, only one we scored on side it was disgusting it was it, it was just fantastic. said end to end and just tucks it top shelf that was yeah that's that's a that's that's that was like an espn top 10 there kind of a deal that was great to watch but it was it was for not, which was unfortunate. Yeah, it was it, that, that was the most frustrating part of me is to watch the two goals that, that they used to you know obviously tie it up and go you know go ahead with were just they weren't quality goals and they're ones that Pietola really had had zero chance on. Yep. You know, and, and the, the the second one was just pure fluke. That, that's the only way to describe that one. You don't a hockey puck doesn't do that motion normally ever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was. It's it literally hard to looped now. over top and fell down like a chip shot. It looked like a panetka. Is this the one that went over or went off a? Was it Sawyer's elbow? Yeah, it it, it tipped and then hit. I think it hit Sawyer in the in the arm somewhere. And the trajectory was literally just like end over end, flipping over. Like it started at Pietola's head height, went up and over, and landed like behind his back in the net as it was going up. It just was. It's, it was a slow motion, just. Almost comical goal to end your season on, and it to me it really was. It sums up this whole year's just kind of well, shit's just not going right for Tech this year, (laughs) you know. 
Yeah, and it's it's weird. You know, one of the big things that you take away from, and we can kind of get into this now, the Joe show was, you know, him talking about like how many scoring chances they created compared to offense that they actually got, and and it and you talk a lot about puck luck, and then you know in our Discord chat or even. You know, Joe will talk about it a lot where, like, you make your own luck, but at the same time, like, Tech created a ton of offensive chances this year, and they just did not score at the rate that you would expect for, yeah. like, they were at, what, two and a half goals a game when they're, if you're scoring at Joe's clip, what, 25 by so if you go by, like Joe said, they average 25 scoring chances a game this year. And if you take that for his one in seven, like that you want your goalie to uh, stop six out of seven, Tech should have averaged three and a half goals this year. So they're basically an entire goal below the expectation based on their scoring chances, which is really bad luck. Well, that one goal a game, especially in some of the games we've had, would that's we've had really close games this year and that is one thing i will say just a f- just what that that little bit more offense this year and this team is in a completely different place and it's it's tough because like i think a lot of the time we have seen you know the offensive capabilities that our team is capable of you know putting out there and sometimes you feel like we're not quite living up to that sometimes it's bad puck luck sometimes you run into a hot goaltender sometimes we're just flat out class like when we were playing minnesota state a couple weeks ago like it's just sometimes it's just tough and do we want to shift this into the 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 looming conversation about joe that we want to go to or do we want to finish we'll up there. About we the got show? a couple All other right. things on joe show all right the other big thing that was from the Joe show is he spent a lot of time talking about non-conference schedules. Yeah, so uh, it was I right with what next one I said in Slack there? Next year is we have uh, Wisconsin and Madison for two games. Yep. A single game at Notre Dame and a game against the development no, program. No, nope. The, a single game that? hosting Notre Dame. Okay. At, with the development program coming on the other day. And then we have gotcha. a single non-conference game to kick off the season against against Northern. Northern it sounds like yeah, because Northern and Tech are both getting the development team and Notre Dame for a game, right? And that development team game doesn't count as a game, so they both have one non-conference an spot extra game open. they can play, so they'll play and each other. Yeah, I hope I hope that uh, like I'm glad Joe figured that out because I know we kind of called him out on that a long time ago about if there were any other non-conference games coming up on the show. And and he was like, well, no, we've got our games. And, and I think maybe the way I worded it, if I asked it, um, uh, Dirk made the point of being like, well, I'm pretty sure that development team game doesn't count. So do you have a plan to try and get one more game somewhere? So hopefully that sparked him in trying to get Nor- Northern Michigan to do it. And I really think that's a nice way to kick off the season instead yeah, of trying to have a, a two game series on that weekend that usually starts. You can't have a game on Friday. You can't start till Saturday. So it'd be kind of nice to have that one game against Northern Michigan on a Saturday night to kick off 
the season, probably finally get to have fans in the stands to watch that hundredth season jersey and everything, right? Like that'll they be kind of nice. Something to behold as somebody you <laughs> the only one on the pod that got to see them. They are yeah. some, you don't you don't even care that they look like trash bags on the internet with how big they are because of how beautiful they look in person. Yeah, and it's, I'm it's actually something. really, really happy that uh, tonight at midnight I'm done dealing with people ordering that jersey. <laughs> so then we, we also then end up with upstate New York with a split with SLU and, and Clarkson, right? Yeah, I kind of, I had it, so I basically have it penciled in now that uh, we're going to Clarkson this coming season. And Joe made it sound like the GLI is still happening next year, at least. Woo! Yep, I'll I'll give a woohoo to that. So I'm probably going to be trying to go to quite a few games next year if I can get to the GLI in case it's one last time and try and go to Clarkson if it's on the right weekend. Yeah, the Clarkson, Uh, now is that just Clarkson or is it the split starting next year? I, uh, that's what I wasn't clear on from listening. I, I wasn't couldn't. clear on that either. I, I was kind of guessing that we're going to have two more years of, of going to Clarkson and hosting Clarkson and then start and then this splitting. arrangement with St. Lawrence, Clarkson, and, and, and Lake LSSU. State. Yep. Yeah, which that was surprising to me too. But I, I suppose if – I would do we, do we bust when we went to Clarkson? I would assume we did, right? I no, I think we flew to Syracuse and bust. Did they actually fly? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I was going to be curious if because if they're playing Lake State, obviously you're driving across the whole UP anyways, right? So it doesn't matter when you're traveling over here. Well, uh, it's the way Joe said it is. It's possible that the Clarkson and St. Lawrence will not both come here the same year, okay. like. Like we would like Lake State and Tech would go there in the same year and each play one game against each team, but then when they came here, it would probably be Clarkson goes to Houghton, okay. St. Lawrence so goes to Lake the State. Gotcha. They might do like a Friday Sunday or a Thursday Saturday thing, but they might also just do the when they come here, they play one of us and, and then we then we go back and do the split again and then the other one comes to Houghton kind of thing in the kind of like a four-year rotation. Gotcha. Either way, I think that's that's a really... I really like that general pairing and, and thing and I hope that goes for a while. Because Clarkson Clarkson has typically been a fairly decent team in Hockey East ECAC. I don't yep. know which one they're in. Um, ECAC. <laughs> so... I do not like scheduling the U18 team. I you don't. I always hate it. First of all, that that game always ends up getting chippy. It, 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 yeah, it's weird how it does that. It gets it, you get these punky ass little kids coming in <laughs> that think they're all hot shit, and they're chippy. Play and uh, I don't know. I think the last time we played, it ended up being like practically a brawl because because of the chippiness and why was that under tried... Russell? Is that the last time we played them? No, I think so. No, yeah. no, we played them sometime in against with Mel. I think. Yeah, the development program. Like I get what you're saying. I think it. I'm sure it is more a matter of Joe wanting to have a whole weekend of action. And Joe hasn't had them in, so it'll be interesting to see if they get 
chippy this time. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Um, but yeah, from a fan perspective, I'm sure it, it also helps that this way he gets to sell another home game to Suzanne. So that's not a bad thing either. And they get a full weekend out of that. I mean, it would be nice if we had some sort of chance to actually get a recruit from that team by hosting them or, you know, it'd be a way to showcase the facilities or something, but we've got no chance whatsoever to get a national development program recruit unless they have some connection to the program already. Well, and by the time they come to Houghton next year, 90-some percent yeah. of that team They'll is all be committed. committed. They'll all be committed. I yeah. mean, that's pretty much that's pretty much all the usual anyway. Like, I went to a Lumberjacks game, and even the Lumberjacks are all committed at this point, so let alone the U18s. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that you could uh, pull somebody, but it's going to be, like, probably somebody that's on, like, the fourth line and, like, the oldest kid on the team kind of thing versus anything else. But, I mean, I honestly don't really have a problem with it because I kind of like what Joe did with the opportunity by getting that one game against Northern to kick off the season to kind of... uh, ease into the season and then still have a full weekend when Notre Dame comes to town. Yeah, I, I like I that kind part of, a, of it. I mean, that, that, that part makes it better. Yeah. I certainly like it better than, like, what Jamie used to do where we would have, like, the Canadian team come in and then play the development program. Like, it's a total punt weekend where neither game means anything. Um. Like, the other nice thing is whenever Joe has this happen, like, that's a great opportunity kind of in the middle of the season to, you know, play Bailey or Sinclair and give some of these other guys, like, some minutes and and give, like, I I wouldn't be surprised if we lose that game simply because we're not playing. Like, you might give your entire top line a break and let Datama and some of these other guys play and get 20 minutes in that game because it's in the middle of the season so it's a good time to get minutes to other players and see how these other players do in different roles too like i guess from that perspective i think it's good if you're not going to do that there's not really any point in having the game that's like the that is like the reason to have that game scheduled is to do that kind of thing it's basically just scheduling a canadian team plus because you know it's going to be better talent yep it's a good challenge but at the same time like and I guess I don't know, being a home game and being a game that doesn't count if if Joe's allowed to dress more players. And, I don't know. And, it, and be able an to exhibition? play. Yeah. It's an exhibition. I think it just kind of counts in the NCAA's eyes as a practice. So I think he can play whatever yeah. the hell he wants. Yeah, I think he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. So it wouldn't be a bad opportunity to dress pretty much everybody and then play Bliss sparingly or, you know, that whole top line sparingly. Um, like, so from that perspective, I think it's good. I thought the other interesting thing that, that Joe mentioned is that he's actually trying to schedule games with Denver of all teams. Yeah, oh, I saw that. God. <laughs> Which I, heard that, I, I think say. it's kind of cool. Cause I wouldn't mind going to Denver. Like if Me it's too, a, I got family out there, be nice. Yeah. I got, I got my, uh, I got a good buddy out there. Um, and whether or not I have my daughter, that's a good place for me to go visit with her. Um, but I, I'm shocked because I can't imagine Denver ever wanting to come back to Houghton. Like, that's what I don't get about it. Oh, well, it's not Guaz anymore, though. 
That's true. So Guaz was the one that had the raging hate for going anywhere that he didn't feel coddled, right? I so it, it's not Guaz anymore. So I think maybe that does uh, piss me of off a even more though that now now after this is all said and done, all they're willing to come to Houghton again. So it's just even more. Let's just blow it, it all up for no reason. Well, but it's it's one time, Dustin. It's not every year. I mean, look at like so should so should Tech never play Anchorage, Huntsville, or Fairbanks again? Well, he did talk about we did talk about having an agreement in place with Fairbanks too. That they're yep. talking about already too. So yep, no, I, he I think he wants to keep playing Fairbanks at the very least. I don't know about Huntsville. Um, the last thing I saw on Twitter about Huntsville is they're they're in talks with both Atlantic and CCHA to possibly join again. Was a comment yeah, on well, Twitter I read a couple of days ago. Well, I see Atlantic Hockey as being a better option, obviously. The other thing about scheduling was that uh, good luck ever seeing Michigan and Houghton again. Yeah, it sounds like uh, that. Whatever deal that was sounds like it got ripped up because Mel refuses to come without getting a two-for-one, basically, is what I took from it. Yeah, And I am completely fine Let's with never, never Let's... seeing anyone that doesn't want to do a two-for-one. I think standing up to that is important and is something we should be doing. No, I, th- I totally agree because I think, especially now that you're not looking to fill ten games a year, right? you're at, we're at eight games a year now, I think, with the, what they plan on doing. And then you would have 10 games if we go to Fairbanks in a given year or whatever. But, like, I don't think we'll have any problem feeling that, especially if the GLI continues or we're somehow a host of a tournament somewhere else in going forward, whatever. Like, I don't see it much of an issue filling that with two-for-ones because I think you'll get Duluth often enough, you'll get Wisconsin often enough. And you've got that relationship with Clarkson, St. Lawrence. Like, that's pretty much what you need. And then you can just fill in every once in a while. You can get a deal with Denver or whoever to to make it work. Um, yeah, and hopefully Joe can keep finding more. Like, I'd love to see it where Joe finds more Eastern teams, personally, because... Yeah, me too. He did I mention think, talking a little bit about Boston area, right? Yeah. Some of the teams in there. Yeah, there's I'd a high love density. to get out there. Yeah, Boston's a fun town. I've been there. Been yeah, there once. I love getting I out to Boston. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's historical. It's easy to get lost. It sounds like a great road trip. Yeah, right. And it's a road trip where you know you don't necessarily need to even rent a car. You just fly into Boston and and you can get around town. Start walking around and taking trains. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that'd be a, that would be a fun one for sure. I would love that that area up there. And after seeing, I think it was Biddy went up to Maine. I think a few years ago, Maine would be a cool destination to go see too. Yep. Anything out east, I'm 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 more than game for. Now that we're done with the Joe show, we can move on to the the elephant in the room. I guess what we should try and do first is start with. Well, I'll just put it out there: Joe's contract expires. He does not have a contract as of recording of this podcast for next season. Uh, unless they didn't announce some kind of extension that he got related to COVID, but we've heard nothing. I can't believe they wouldn't have announced it. Um, but we've, we've got nothing to go on as far as Joe's future with the program right now. He's had four years. 
He's not gotten home ice. So the big thing that I want to do right now is just kind of lay out what each of you is comfortable saying on the public podcast. And then we can tell everybody that we're we're going private and if you want to hear you got to pay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I think well, I mean, I'm going to be the one with the dissenting opinion, so I should probably go last. <laughs> yeah. Rob, why don't you go first? My biggest concern is where do we want to be as a hockey program? What What is our baseline for where we want to get and what our results should be every year? And And I do feel like that should be top three in the WCHA, CCHA, whatever league it may happen to be, right? And on the bubble or in the national tournament, given our league. I think that's our criteria. And if you look at it that way, I kind of struggle with how we've been the last few years, even though we finally have had, you know, only one of those years is not a winning year, which is, is more than can be said for Mel's first years, but Mel's first years were also in the old WCHA before the restructure. Yep. So you got to take that a little bit there. So, I think the the choice there is we chalk one year up to COVID and we see what happens next year. I realize there's some negatives to that from a recruiting perspective, from a stability perspective, but this year feels like it's just too strange to to stop with. Yeah, I think I think my big issue with that, Rob, is if if they had just last off season when the season was over given him a one-year extension because of what was happening. I understand that it's tough to do that because the uncertainty of what the future is, you don't want to give a guy an extension in, in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, like at that time, I think that was at the bottom of the priority list. Yeah, right. But but that was the time, I think, to do the one year was last well, I think year. The, the other option you've talked about, too, is the is a longer extension with a, with a buyout. Yeah. Right, we've kind of talked about that a little bit on Slack. I don't really yep. like that option either, though, to be honest. Because that option means that you're saying we're good for four more years. Or we're going to have to spend money in a program that doesn't typically have money that could go to a different coach. Well, but, I mean, they they got how much for Mel leaving. I think sure. they can afford to pay some of that to... Like, cause I'm not taught, like, let's just go around the room first before we get into sure, that sure. detail. So Dustin, what are your thoughts? I think they should move on. I'm probably the only one that says that in this group of four of us, but I think our expectations should be higher than what we have seen. I've just looked the last, not counting this year, cause the pairwise doesn't matter, but pairwise rankings we have not been in the top 20 since nope, joe became we were coach. 21 42 and 25 and that is not good enough this is a results business and it is a business it and the results aren't good enough what i get you know what i come to looking at this year I think that this is a very talented hockey team. This was my argument earlier when we were talking about it. I think there are four, five, six very talented forwards on this team that should be able to score. 
I think we have a very solid defensive core. They've shown there's a solid defensive core. We don't give up very many goals. And we have a rock star goalie. There's no reason why this team should not be in the top three of the WCHA this year. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. Like it's I think I think the biggest the the two biggest slights against Joe is that it feels like that he hasn't managed to get home ice once. Even this year where it was only like it wasn't about getting top four out of ten, it was top four out of eight. Now granted you can argue that the two of the teams that weren't around are two of the worst teams, but Fairbanks has been good. Anchorage has not, but the, I think the biggest, the two biggest issues are that. And the fact that it feels like, like even compared to what the, the poll, the preseason polls have said, Joe has underperformed in general compared to even not, our expectations like according to my tracking here tech was picked to finish fourth by the media and fifth by the coaches and i guess they finished fifth right so that the i guess they're pretty much right there but at the same time like lake state was finished to pick sixth by both of them because any, they anybody, finished second can anybody look me straight in the face and say that lake superior state is a more talented team that roster is more talented than Tech. No, I'll, no. I'd look in the eyes and tell you that team surprised me a lot. I think they were they're better than we all took them to be. I would tell you that, but and Tech, I'd is, say that tech is worse than they should be. That's yeah. well. I guess to kind of segue into me, I'm blowing the dissenting opinion here, and I actually typed up my response here because I knew I was going to have to be the one to be the most well-read if I was going to be the one to go this far against the grain. So I would I would be the first to tell you that Tech fell short of my expectations this season. And I admit that there were games where we were out-coached and failed to make adjustments to opponents, like especially our first Lake State series in this past weekend, really kind of stick out to me. But I, I think that singling out the coach is kind of, I get, kind of where you're coming from but to me that's kind of a lazy approach i think that tech's bigger problem is having a lack of productivity from the upperclassmen and the fact that our productivity is coming from immature players so like i decided to look at the numbers because we're tech people and that's what we like and i was originally just going to stack all of tech's classes like the class by class thing that brandon's been doing against other teams in the conference in terms of production but just looking at tech it kind of proved my point so overall this season the Huskies scored 78 goals in the 30 games they played. So breaking that down by class, the juniors notched 33, the sophomores got 15, and the freshmen got 8. And how many do, did our seniors get? Four goals. That was three. <laughs> this is four. Dragon. There we go. There's four. <laughs> our seniors had four goals as a class. Yeah. Okay, so we're all sick of talking about... Was that Bell's all Missyek? It's no, Rockwell, Rockwell, Rockwell got a had at least two. Yeah. But what I'm saying now is that we're all sick of talking about the recruiting mess that Mel left. And as soon as the puck drops next year, it's a moot point. We never have to talk about it ever again because it's behind us. But the fact of the matter is that for this past season, it was still a factor. And, you know, it's senior night for these guys. And only two out of the seven players, with six out of seven of them being healthy, 
saw ice time in that game. And they had 13 total points if you want to throw well, in their nine assists. Now, to be fair to, to what you're saying, you can't count Reisenden in that, even though he is a senior, because he didn't come in as a freshman. He was never expected to do much of anything. He was a depth player that basically got a roster spot because of depth. Sure, but even then, you're looking at, you know... You're still talking about two out of six. Two out of and, six, and, and then... Yeah, basically, really you had three guys one. not play who were healthy. Exactly, and to further the point that I'm saying that I think his job in Houghton is safe for now is that, you know, this whole season, between the marketing for Tech and what we've been talking about, you're making a huge deal about the program being 100 years old. In the 100 years the Michigan Tech has had a program, we've had 22 coaches. Any of you want to take a guess how many of them are over 500? Two. One, two, two now. Maybe, maybe somebody really Cur- long ago was like Lavelle Cur- or something. Three. But, yeah. The three. answer, the answer is five, five out of 22. Yeah. And whether the tech hockey guide staff and listenership likes it, Joe Sean is one of them, even if narrowly. And no, he is not the one with the smallest sample size because we have a tie between Lovell with one, three or one, two and one and Tech's fourth <laughs> coach, Bill Murdoch going oh four and oh. So. Even though the 2018 tournament is the saying, truly man, impressive but part Suzanne of his resume, didn't hire all of them. I get. Let me get there. Okay. <laughs> it's it's just I know I know the 2018 championship is the only truly impressive part of his resume, but a big thing about him is you have to take apart you have to take like into account how much his personality just matches with the UP and the fact that he has been a winning coach this part. So I can totally see an extension caught an extension talks rather saying something like, you know, all right, you know, simply having a winning record isn't good enough. We need to make a push for, you know, conference dominance and making that actual tournament on a regular basis. Like, you know, that's, that's the goalpost for Rob is he wants to be top three in the conference and he wants to have, you know, like at least one out of three years be a national tournament. But I feel like his resume with the Huskies has been enough for him to at least sit down in the room and have that conversation and have time. I totally see if that becomes, you know, Winning, you're safe. Losing, you go home kind of scenario. But if you were to tell me 10 years ago that I would be sitting on a podcast where we'd be talking about the job security, about a Huskies coast with a winning record, I would give you the dumbest look that I could possibly muster for a person. <laughs> so I understand where you're coming from, where like we need to start moving our goalposts towards being better. But I think that he's earned the right to be in those conversations and to, you know, you know, we've talked in the chat about, you know, extending a four years, but having a cheap buyout. So like if we win, there's nothing but up, but if we have to buy them out, then it's not a, not that big of a deal. And that's something that I could agree with, but especially during the COVID year, I just don't see the argument for moving on. I think my biggest counter to uh, my biggest, quickest counter to that is when we talk about winning programs and a winning record, we know we need to have to move on from what we've done with the giant gap between McGinnis and Pearson. We don't want to fall back into that habit of, of, of being either the bottom or the media, the bottom or the middle of the pack in the WCHA. We're in a much, as much as we don't, don't care to admit it, we're in a much weaker conference than we've ever been in our entire program's history. And we're supposed to be one of the storied historic programs of that, of this conference, of the conferences we've been in the last, you know, five years plus what we're moving into. We need to be at the top of those conferences. And we, we just haven't done that. That's where I struggle, even though we are winning. I feel that. And that's, and that's a conversation point that I definitely understand. But especially being as, you know, he's the second winning coach in Michigan Tech history since McInnes. 
And I know some of that might be on the coattails of Mel, but I'd also argue some of it's got to be on the coattails of his own program when the last senior class of the Mel recruits is only scoring four goals. So I understand where you're coming from, but I think he's earned the right to at least see his talent come through, especially because like what's brought up in the Discord is like, what what kind of message does it send if you don't even know if the coach is going to be there in four years? So, like, I get that it's it's time to start watching. His seat is starting to heat up, but I don't think it's hot enough to not give him an extension. It really sucks that the the program didn't get to finish the playoff run last year to see what would happen there. Yeah, that would have, yeah. But at the same time, we're 2-2 two and two in first-round series under Joe now. You can look at that. And say like, which makes but we've sense been on the road for all four of them. But What's makes that? sense because we're what four or five. We're 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 right. Yeah, we're on the road, but we're four, five, six. We're right in the middle yep. of the conference. We're playing. We're right in the middle, so we're playing a team. We finish that's very fifth or six every time. So yep. we're five hundred, right? That's not yep. unexpected. Yep. And it's been all sweeps, right? Or no? We did we did we go to three against Northern? Or did we sweep them last year? No, we swept them. We don't we don't yeah. lose them at Barry. <laughs> but I, the other point that I can say helps a lot, Matt, from your perspective, is that we are kicking the crap out of Northern Michigan. That helps a ton. It's very true. It's, but when you're when you're regularly beating your rival, that does a lot when you go into the room and start talking about extensions. Oh, shout out to Richard Hall who became a patron while we were recording tonight. Our boy so we Rich. are now up to 32 patrons. So does he our get to hear Rich. our private or our, our special conversation that we're going to have after the patrons, <laughs> patrons only then? Yeah. Well, I don't know if we're really going to get into that because it's long enough. We might just cut some of what we've already said because it's we're almost at two hours now. I can't bring up my favorite person. All right. All right. So the Patreon only content starts now. All right, so to wrap this up from the non-Patreon side, too, um, we've talked about what we want to happen. What do you think will happen? I think Joe is around next year, and I'll leave it at that. I don't know how far or how long, but I'm pretty co- – my confidence level is he's there next year. I don't, I don't, see, I don't see that changing. I yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm in the same boat as – well, like I think everyone well, now everyone here is on the same boat, but yeah. I think that there's wants and what I think will happen, right? That's the difference here. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yep. But I know I know that we definitely had our conversation about what we think should happen and what will happen. And I know that I kind of attacked it from kind of that what will happen perspective. So like especially now that I think you know, we're all on the same board with Joe being back, I don't think it's as it's as, you know, fucking slap the panic button as sometimes Dustin makes it sound. I think, you know, once I see how Joe does with an entire team of kids that he recruited, which is what will happen next year, we will finally be able to, you know, at puck drop next year, you know, the recruiting mess that we've been talking about for years is officially a moot point that we'll never have to talk about again. Like, as soon as I see what his team is like when he's duly responsible for everyone on that roster. He's duly responsible for pretty much everything that happens. He knows what's going on with all of the systems. 
when we see what that result is like is when I will say yay or nay. And this is, I feel like explaining myself as a Blashill fan to Red Wings fans is that <laughs> a lot of my, you'll see like a lot of my Red Wings fan friends are just like, yeah, Blashill's a terrible coach. It's like, with whom is he supposed to be a good coach with? But his breakout is off. With whom is he supposed to break the puck out with? So, <laughs> you know. Yes, the cupboard is rather bare for yeah. the Red Wings, and I am enjoying it thoroughly. That's you know we can leave it at that. But as a Wings fan who also likes Blashill, like I, it's you know to me, it's it to me especially with what I've seen out of both teams is I feel like blaming the team is a lazy way out, or blaming the coach rather is a lazy way out. For the Red Wings, yes, but I don't agree with you as much here. Um, yeah. I, as much as I think there is a reason to move on, I'm not saying I'm calling for it, but I can, I see the reason to move on, but how do you move on from a guy who has won, what, eight straight games against Northern or more than that now, isn't it? I don't know. It's so gloriously high. We can't even count anymore. Yeah. It's, uh, maybe we should have like a. I think we should. I should Someone talk to Brandon. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to talk to Brandon about adding a uh, win tracker, win streak against Northern tracker to like the homepage. It's been or this many just, days since we've so lost just, to Northern. Yeah, how many days since we've lost to Northern? Like the safety one. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to ask Brandon to add that to the website or figure it out. Or just like but, make a Tech Hockey Guide sponsored Twitter account. Being you know, like, have we lost in the Northern yet? And just have to keep saying no every day. <laughs> <laughs> just have just have it like have a pre-scheduled tweet. Maybe every that's day, what we should no. do with the uh, <laughs> with the uh, THG Game Day Twitter account. Is just say. It's been 747 days since Tech lost to Northern at hockey or whatever. Or Maybe whatever it is. Yeah. Um, that is. That is one of the things that uh, on the, the Swansea City subreddit, they always have a we're this many points above Cardiff City every every week that gets yeah. posted. Their big rival. Yeah, similar idea. I, I or what was the – is it Hertha Berlin was the one that had the clock of how long it's been since they – That was Hamburg. Hamburg? I believe had that, And they yeah. went down, so now that doesn't work, they right? They finally went down on their clock, yeah. Got got changed. You know, but we're probably just uh, calling for ourselves to lose the home opener now if we put that up, yeah, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, we can wait until at least one more win. So here's what you can say. So here's what you can say to defend Joe. Joe's had four seasons. Three of them have been winning seasons. Right? Mm-hmm. He's made the NCAA tournament once. Granted, that was through winning the conference tournament, but he's got two twenty-win seasons. He's got a winning record. Like, there's a lot of positives. the The biggest problem that I think we all have is the complete lack of home ice over that stretch, and the the sense the 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 lack of sense of growth. Like the there's not enough players that are improving enough. There's not enough signs that the team is improving enough as far as results go. I would actually disagree with that because looking at the points that I, you know, I I had the goals wrong for seniors, but other than that, like, if we're looking at the other classes, they seem to be progressing along, like, as I would expect. But they're not. If you go look at that chart I made, the... So this year's seniors... Basically, I've had the same point total their entire career. This year's juniors, 
have plateaued. The points per game they scored last year is almost the same as what they scored this year. The sophomores regressed. And the freshmen you can't compare. They have nothing to compare to. So, the like, I get what you're trying to say, but when you look at it as a class as a whole, like, the, the juniors got .505 points per game as sophomores. They got .507 points per game as, as juniors. That's not improvement. That's statistically insignificant. And the sophomores regressed. I mean, the freshman was a good freshman class, I think. And that's that's the biggest thing to see is... Who's coming in? Well, not who's coming in. It's whether or not Kataroth and Bantle and Nardella and... Uh, um, He's not a freshman, but a whole season of Ashbrook's going to be sick. Yeah, so he's counted as a sophomore. So if you take him out of the sophomores, like the sophomore class was terrible on regression. Um, I'm going to refresh the... Yeah, Pietola, Ganey, and Saretsky all regressed. Now, that you could say they had really good freshman years. Maybe it was a little bit too much to expect them to all, but yeah. I want to see people move forward or stay the same level, not drop. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the sophomore class regression is protected by the fact that you added Ashbrook and he did so well. If you remove him, they lost over uh, eight hundredths of a point per game in one year because that class just did that badly. So um, I don't know. It's hard because I do think – I think the biggest problem is, is he has not done enough in my eyes – to deserve a long-term extension. And in college hockey, it's really hard to not give one because of the perception for recruiting and the fact that that gets used against coaches all the time. So that's where your struggle is. All right, guys, who who plays in the WCHA championship and who wins? Dustin? Mankato. And who do they play? I'm going to say Bemidji. Rob? I think uh, Lake State beats Mankato. Ooh. Oh, that's a good way for I, us to get two teams in. Yeah. Maybe a third. I, I want I the two Lakes. teams. I want the two teams in from the WCHA yeah. for sure, right? And That, that uh, probably gives us the best shot at three. Screw Northern. So, in <laughs> conclusion, that's 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 also fair. And I think I, if I have to see a UP team win a single game here, I want to see it be Lake State. But I don't think they get past Mankato. I think that Mankato dusts Northern like they're not a problem. It's going to be a Mankato Lake State final, and Mankato will take care of Lake State by a margin slimmer than what most would think. Yeah, I could see that too. And just to be contrarian, I will take Bemidji State over Minnesota State. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Thanks again to Nate Wells for joining us this week. It feels like that was an eternity ago right now. Oh, my God, yeah. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash Guide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the white level or above 
get access to the monthly Zoom chat featuring guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, Brad Patterson, and more. I should probably change the wording of that to uh, randomly scheduled Zoom chats since we don't do them monthly lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> What's that? Occasional, Occasional is yeah. a good word. Thanks again to our newest patrons, Eva, Evan Wallen and who'd I say, Richard Hall, for signing up at the black level. One of you signed while we were recording, so that was fun. That was Rich, I'm pretty sure. Richard, Richard Hall. Isn't that what I said? Yeah, I think he's the one that signed right. up while we were recording, yep. is all I was saying. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through email address, ChasingMac at TechHockeyGuide.com, or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash ChasingMacPod. The first person to submit an audio question will receive an authentic MTU jersey patch. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, uh, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. Let's see if anybody's still listening. If you're still listening, what do we want the hashtag to be this week, Matt? Uh, mm. How about hashtag extension and tell us what you think should happen? Yeah, the, or how about uh, who 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 on the podcast should be shirtless for next week? <laughs> has to record shirt. Whoever has the most votes has to do it. Like just just be like who the breeze who between Tim, Matt, Rob, and Dustin has to be shirtless on the podcast next week. Whoever has the most votes has to do it. All right. And what's the, the hashtag? In my office will make that incredibly um, pleasant. Man crush. Yeah. I'm thinking hashtag THG shirtless guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, then we know who should probably win that poll, huh? Anyway. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, I actually finally ordered a jersey with my own last name on it for the first time instead ever. Instead of shirtless guy? No, instead of shirtless guy, yep. Well, most of the jerseys I've been getting have been player names. Uh, yeah. So I finally got one that has my name on it. That's going to be the 100th season one. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the Thank You Notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. And hopefully soon we will have an announcement about an actual sponsor for the podcast. <laughs>